So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee. Good evening and welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors go to share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, Ben Hogan Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, Two Wonder, the Salt Creek Golf Retreat, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, and Super Speed Golf. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and thank you for joining me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Very excited about tonight's show because I've got two great friends that I'm going to get to share with you. First up with me is going to be Donnie Hammond. Donnie won twice out on the PGA Tour at the 1986 Bob Hope Chrysler Classic and the 1989 Texas Open. He also finished second five times, had 40 top 10s, 119 top 25s, and that's just on the regular tour. He's got a couple of more top 10s and 14 top 25s so far out on the Champions Tour. Tonight we're going to talk about, we're going to go back to 86 and talk about the Bob Hope Chrysler Classic and a comment that Mr. Hope made to Lee Trevino when uh, Mr. Hope heard that Donnie was surging into the lead with three late birdies during that final round. Want to hear that story. Also want to get Donnie's thoughts on some of the new rules, right? A lot, lot of controversy about what's going on. Flag stick in, flag stick out, drop rule. The thing that happened with Ricky Fowler a couple of weeks ago with his ball rolling back into the hazard. Want to get Donnie's thoughts on that. And after seeing how loud the crowds were again this year at the Waste Management Open out at TPC Scottsdale, I want to talk to Donnie about the loudest crowd that he's ever had to deal with so far in his playing career. Donnie is also working with a company called TDJ Golf, a mobile app for fantasy golf, which uh, I'm very much looking forward to hearing all about. Downloaded the app a little bit, uh, a little while ago. So I want to talk to Donnie about that and his real estate business and just what he's got planned for 2019. He'll be along with me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from Paul Grandgard. Paul has joined me several times back when he was CEO for the Allen Edmonds Shoe Company. He left there not that long ago, and now he is the founder and CEO of a company called Circle Rock, which is an online retailer of men's clothes, leather goods, gifts, and custom-made suits right here in the USA. So I want to talk to him about all of that. And if you remember when Paul used to join me back when he was at Allen Edmonds, they had some of the coolest gifts that you were going to find anywhere online. And he's brought those gifts over to Circle Rock. So do do me a favor. Go online to CircleRock.com and click on, of all things, cool gifts. And what you're going to see are some bottle openers made from game-used Major League bats, which are outstanding, or bottle openers made from old golf clubs. They've got one on there from uh, from one of our sponsors, Ben Hogan. They've got an old edge iron on there that looks absolutely spectacular. Or how about cufflinks made from seats from Fenway Park or Wrigley Field or Lambeau Field or a game-used Notre Dame football helmet that they've made into cufflinks. All fantastic-looking stuff. Again, go online to CircleRock.com and check all of that out. Really looking forward to catching up with Paul a little bit later on in this half hour. So a lot more great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Before we get started, I want to remind you about one of our great friends, Mitch Lawrence, and his podcast called Talking Golf Getaways. He and his co-host, Darren Bunch, let you know about great places to stay, play, and even eat and drink while you're there. Again, their show is called Talking Golf Getaways, and it's moved over now to a new site, Golf Trip X, and the letter X when it stands for experts. So GolfTripX.com. Go there, check out their show, and learn about some of the hidden gems, some of the great courses around the country. Mitch's brother, Matthew, who is also absolutely fantastic, he's got typically airs online at WLXG ESPN Radio AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can stream it online at WLXG.com. His show typically airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Again, you can go online to WLXG.com right now and stream some of his shows from last year. So catch up on anything you might have missed, and the show is really fantastic because Matthew's so much fun to listen to. So uh, go check it out, WLXG.com or download the WLXG app. And as you guys know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from Steve Rondonero about what they've got going on up there this winter. 
Play the course's champions play at French Lick Resort. Laura Davies won the 2018 Senior LPGA title on our Peak Die course. Colin Montgomery won the Senior PGA title here in 2015. For an experience drenched in history, play our Donald Ross course, where Walter Hagen won the 1924 PGA Championship. It's never too early to plan that next buddy trip to play legendary golf at French Lake Resort, the Midwest's premier golf destination. Yeah, folks, go online to FrenchLake.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place they've got up there and to book your stay as well. I also want to tell you about our good friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan irons since maybe the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor and get a demo iron of either their Fort Worth, PTX, or New Edge irons. Go out on the range and compare them to whatever it is you have. All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time at their Fort Worth, Texas factory. No mass production, no shortcuts taken. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com, and they're going to build those clubs to your specifications. And best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their complete line of forged irons and wedges, plus their utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories online at BenHoganGolf.com. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to BobbyJones.com. They've got their spring collection out, and it looks absolutely fantastic. Plan ahead for spring and be among the first to sample their happy hour collection. I got my eye, I'm telling you, on some of their polos and sweaters look absolutely wonderful. See what I'm talking about by going online to bobbyjones.com. And friends, this segment of the show is sponsored by our new friends over at Two Under. I want to welcome our new partners at Two Under, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, but that's another story. And your girlfriend and her wife is going to love the side effect, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market. Use code NXT on T20. So next on T20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. Yeah, folks, be sure to go online to two, the number two, UNDR.com and check it out. All right, now back in making his eighth appearance with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Donnie Hammond. And let me remind you a little bit more about Donnie's background. He was born in Frederick, Maryland, which is in the northern part of Maryland near the Virginia and West Virginia border. Played his college golf at Jacksonville University, where he was a four-year letterman. As a sophomore, he finished seventh in the 1977 Sun Belt Championship. And as a senior, he won it by six strokes. He would go on to lead Jacksonville University to two Sun Belt Conference Championships. He's a charter member of the Jacksonville University Sports Hall of Fame. Donnie earned his tour card by being the medalist at the 1982 PGA Tour Qualifying Tournament at PC Sawgrass with, by the way, check this out. He won that tournament by 14 strokes. Played on the PGA Tour from 1983 to 1998. Won twice out there on the regular tour at the 1986 Bob Hope Chrysler Classic and the 1989 Texas Open, where he came within one stroke of the all-time scoring record after shooting a four-round total of 258 at Oak Hill. He won once on what was then the Buy.com Tour. We know it as the Web.com Tour now at the 2000 Lakeland Classic. Donnie also won the 1982 Florida Open. And over the course of his career, he's had 42 top 10 finishes. He's made the cut 70% of the time that he's been out there teeing it up. And I'm very honored he was back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Donnie, how are you, my friend? Doing great, Chris. Things are well, I hope. <laughs> Indeed they are. Thank you. So, Donnie, I got, I got to start. When you and I were communicating yesterday, you were about to go play in an event with another great friend of the show, Mr. Bobby Nichols. Talk about what the event was and how it went. Oh, it was a great day down in Naples. Yeah, it's one of the, my favorite pro-ams of the year. Uh, I have good friends that are on the board. It's, uh, it's a big fundraiser there at Fiddlesticks Country Club. And Bobby is just the best host, just a real gentleman. Uh, I've known him for 25 or 30 years and he's just a great example of uh you know the old school professional golfer uh we played um 18 it was kind of hot yesterday it was about 85 degrees i think we finished about fourth we were as usual one shot out of the money 
which is kind of when you're a pro golfer, <laughs> one shot means so much over the 20 or 25 years. Uh, but played well. We had a great day, and it was uh, you know just a lot of fun. It was a great clinic, too. Gary Hallberg and Curtis Strange did a clinic in front of probably 150 of the, the members and guests out there of the course, and it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. They had they had a pretty unique perspective on different parts of the game, like uh, you know the new guys, the way they're athletes versus you know the way we used to play. Curtis had a lot of good points about the way equipment has changed and the golf balls, and you know the swings have changed because of that. But it was uh, it was a great day. Got home last night and uh, looking forward to playing some golf this week. And and Donnie, as you mentioned, knowing Mr. Nichols for the number of years that you have, what what are some of the memories you have from not only just being a part of this tournament for I'm sure several years, but getting to getting to know Mr. Nichols and maybe getting the opportunity to play with him back in the day? Yeah, I got on tour in '83, which was a few years after he retired. But when I was about, you know, when I started playing golf at age 13. I would turn on the TV every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, to watch golf. And Bobby was one of the guys that was right up there, along with, you know, the pros like we just lost Gene Littler uh, last Friday, I guess. And, you know, I used to watch all those guys compete, Orville Moody and um, player Arnold, of course. And Bobby was one of the guys. He was a big, tall, six-foot-three, good-looking player, hit it a long ways, you know, compared to the other guys. But he was, you know, he was always interesting the way he carried himself around the golf course. Uh, never really got too excited one way or another. Uh, and he was, you know, he was a great player. He won the, the PGA, won, won a major. And about, I think about four or five years ago, they had the 50th anniversary of him winning the, uh, the PGA. So that was, uh, that was a great year. But it, he's just fun to see every year. He was he was a little under the weather this year. He had a little bit of a fall about two months ago, but he he was getting around pretty good uh, down at the tournament and looked to be in pretty good spirits. So it's it was just great to to see him every year. So Donnie, t- talk about this day of year game. Are we going to get to see you more often out on the Champions Tour this year? I hope so. I've been giving it a go. I got you know I got close last year. I played Calgary. Didn't play very well up there, but. Got in that tournament. I've missed a few of the qualifiers by a stroke. I think I'm going to go into it, not put so much pressure on myself this year, and just maybe just let it happen at the qualifiers where you go out, you're prepared, but you're not, you know, try not to be so jumpy on the first couple holes and just, you know, like you're just having a game with the, with the fellas, you know, you're just out playing for 10 bucks or so and um, take a little pressure off and see if, see if that works for me the next couple months. I'll probably be up your way in Atlanta to try the qualifier up there. It's the it's the Monday right after the Masters, so that'll that'll probably be a nice one for me coming up. And Donnie, I I, I got to get your thoughts on some of the the rules changes this year. Are you a, are you a flag stick in or a flag stick out guy? I'm a flag stick out guy, but if I'm going downhill, twenty or thirty feet, say Augusta. Or quick greens, I will definitely leave the flag in certain times, uh, you know, on fast greens or from 40 or 50 feet. You know, if you have an uphill putt, you don't want to blast it four feet by and then have that downhill four footer for par. You know, there are situations where I'll leave the flag in, but I mean, we're used to playing, you know, with the flag stick either tended or out. So, you know, it takes a little bit of an adjustment to, get used to hitting a 10 footer with the flag in, you know, I've been working on it a little bit here in Orlando, but it's, it's just a little weird. It's weird watching the guys on TV as well, watching a guy hit a five footer with the flag in. And I don't know, I guess they've been working on it for several months to be able to, to get over that, that change that, um, you know, that you haven't been able to do for 20 years. So, but I, I like it out. You know, if I'm inside 25 feet, 30 feet, I'm I'm going to have the flag out. Yeah, you know, you mentioned a really good point, Donnie, because that's one of the things that I've been curious about is the perspective of having the flag in from those shorter putts. With to your point, 10 feet, 15 feet. You know, some folks are talking about how it helps to potentially, you know, keep your focus, keep your aim on the hole. But I can almost see where it all it would also be a distraction. To your point, we're we're never used to having that thing in from close range and now there it is it seems like it could throw off your perspective a little bit i don't know your thought yeah i mean on straighter putt 
I think it could help you, you know, a downhill five footer. But when you have to play it on the edge and then you're looking at the flag, you know, versus looking at the edge, it, it takes a little bit of an adjustment. So I'm sure, you know, when you're playing it week in and week out, those guys have gotten with their coaches and they've figured out, um, you know, it's already beyond, you know, an issue with them right now. You know, they're going to be used to putting with the flag in and you, you start making a few putts. It just reinforces what you're going to do, like the Shambo, um, you know, the success he's had early in the year, leaving the flag in most of the time. That's going to reinforce other guys too that, uh, that maybe that is the way to go. And, and eventually I think you'll see most of the guys using it, um, you know, on a lot of putts, especially the ones that are, uh, that, that it can help you, you know, it can stop the ball and on downhill putts. So. I think you'll see more of it toward the end of the end of the year. What about the drop rule, Donnie? I, I'm starting to see guys contorting themselves in all kinds of different ways so that, you know, the knee can be as close to the ground as possible when they're trying to do the drop. What do you think? Did we need to go to knee height? Was there something wrong with dropping it from shoulder Absolutely height that we not. needed to change it to knee? I don't, no, I don't know what happy hour they were at when they figured that one out, but <laughs> I don't understand that where you have to kneel down and you have to do this or that to be able to drop the ball. It seemed to be totally fine when you could stand there, shoulder height, drop the ball. If it rolls more than two club lengths, you place it. I think it looks very funny uh, the way the guys have to drop now. It's almost like they have to practice it first. They have to kind of bend <laughs> over a little bit, get, get, get a stance, you know, maybe look at their yardage book to figure out how to, what kind of stance they need to get into and then go through the process. You have to practice it for a week or so, but I, I don't like that at all now. <laughs> and Donnie, a couple of weeks ago, we saw Ricky Fowler nearly lose a golf tournament because after he took a drop and uh, ultimately having to place the ball on a bank and then he goes up to survey the green and then the ball starts to move and the next thing you know, it rolls back into the water and costs him a couple of more strokes. <laughs> you ever have a situation like that? Is that a rule that we need to rethink? That one, you know, that hasn't really changed much where, you know, he was penalized where it moved off the green. But, you know, now if it moves on the green, you can place it back to where it was and it's not a penalty. But, you know, when you when you don't inflict any movement on the ball and then the natural gravity or maybe the wind picks up and moves the ball, I think it maybe could be the same where you just put it back to where it was if you weren't the agent that caused the ball to move. So mm -hmm. I think it would be consistent with on the greens as well. But it was that was crazy watching the Phoenix Open because, you know, Roger Maltby and the guys are trying to figure out what what is he putting for? Is it a six? Is it eight or nine or seven or what? I mean, what? Uh, and then they finally figured it out. But uh, that was crazy. Yeah, it was. Donnie, I want to take you back to 1986. You won the Bob Hope Chrysler Classic that year. It was a five-round tournament. You shoot 66 in the final round to win it. And uh, when I was going back and looking at uh, some of the stuff from that event, I, I believe as the story goes, Bob Hope and Lee Trevino were in the TV tower as you start making a run on the back nine, making birdies coming down the stretch. And Bob Hope was a little surprised to see your name at the top of the leaderboard and made some comments to Trevino. Do you, you mind sharing that story? Well, the, after winning the tournament, I was lucky enough to play the next year with Bob Hope, President Gerald Ford, and then the former Speaker of the House, Tip O'Neill. Great honor. Tons of people on the first tee. I couldn't even find where the back tee was there to, to be able to hit. There were reporters and cameramen and everything. And we get out. We're walking down the second hole. Bob and he said, Donnie, uh, by the way, great playing last year. I was up in the tower with Lee Trevino and Lee mentioned that you had just birdied 14, 16, and 17. Donnie Hammond has just birdied 14, 16, 17. I looked at Lee and I said, who in the world is Donnie Hammond? And I said, that's hilarious. You ever tried comedy? And <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was great. He kind of was a, he had a cool little kind of edge to him out on the course. <laughs> you know, he golf and comedy. I mean, that what a great combination, but he was such an ambassador for, for us. You know, he was one of my heroes actually, because of having a, his own golf tournament, the way that he, you know, took golf around the world. Plus 
you know, being such an ambassador with USO and going over to see the troops and things like that. And then I got to do that, you know, 10 or 15 years later, uh, a couple of years during Thanksgiving over in Iraq. And it was just, you know, I just felt a lot of connection with, uh, with Mr. Hope and, and to be able to win his tournament was, you know, that was, plus it was my first win. So it was just a great honor. And, and he, and I got to play with his wife one year at the Jerry Ford tournament. So, you know, I was lucky enough to get to see him, you know, for several years after that on Sundays, he would be back in his little box back behind the 18th green. And I'd always go up and say hi for a few minutes and spend a little time with him. But he was, he was a great, great for the game and a, and a, and a great person. And not only was that your first win on tour, but correct me if I'm wrong, that was the first, you're one of the, one of a handful of guys that won an event, uh, the first year you ever played it. So that was the first time you ever played in that event. Was, uh, was PGA West a place you had played before or was it a, a golf course that just really suited your eye? Uh, yeah, I love the desert courses. I loved playing Tucson, Phoenix, Las Vegas. Um, Palm Springs was my favorite because you know, you could get out there and, and the courses were, you could see the fairways so much. The fairways were so green. And then part of the rough would be kind of a dormant, kind of a brownish color. So when you stood on the tee, you could look out there and you could see exactly where you needed to hit it, you know, in the beautiful mountains in the background. Uh, so I really love the setup. Plus, if you played out there, you could play for a week and not have a breath of wind. You know, it would be 80 degrees not a breath of wind and you know you had to go out and shoot five under every day or else you know you're going to be backing up so um it was it was a beautiful place to play golf it was great to be able to play early in the year there because you could really work on your game for seven days there you'd be able to practice and you know beautiful greens were in great shape so it was a it was a good start of the year and uh after winning it then you know i got to play there every year so that was a bonus too and Donnie, we've got the Players Championship coming up now in a few weeks. And back in the 80s and the 90s, the Players was always played in late March before moving to May back in 2007. So how differently do you expect the golf course to play now that it's being played in March versus what the guys are used to uh, when it was played in May? Well, they could get completely different conditions in March because, you know, in Florida, those winds, you know, they, they have a mind of their own they could really blow in march and it could get really cold uh the guys going out at 7 seven thirty in the morning they could get you know 40 45 degree weather with pretty good winds and and those, you know that'll dry the golf course up a little bit so it just depends on you know what the week holds but it could be a tough week if uh if it's normal march weather in florida and donnie is uh we talking a moment ago when you look back at the uh, at the Waste Management Open, you t- uh, TPC Scottsdale, you got the the rowdy crowd, you got the stadium hole, you got people booing you if you don't make it onto the green. The crowd really gets kind of raucous out there. What's what's the loudest event and what's the most involved crowd you ever had to play in front of? Well, I remember Bethpage, uh, the U.S. Open, the first year when they came back to Bethpage was was pretty rowdy there, especially on Friday afternoon when the you know, the happy hours kind of started around four. So, uh, that was a pretty good crowd there. And then LA was always fun. You know, watching the LA open last week, when you get the hill there on 18, I think I made about a 50 footer there one year to finish the tournament from the front of the green to that back left pole location. And that was probably the loudest roar I ever heard coming off one of my clubs, uh, canning a 50 footer, but that hill was great. That was like the original. Uh, stadium golf. Uh, the British Opens were great when you get those big bleachers, you know, and you make a 10 or 15 footer there and you got three or 4,000 people up in the stands. Uh, that, that could be pretty fun crowds, uh, at British Open. They would, uh, very respectful and, you know, it was not, not anything like the Phoenix Open over there. Donnie, you're working with a new company, TDJ Golf, which is a, a mobile app for fantasy golf. How'd you get involved with them and let our listeners know what it's all about? Yeah, some friends are right here in Lake Mary, and they came up with this cool idea. It's like a fantasy golf. They're, you know, they're experimenting with some different models. Right now, what they're doing is they're pairing. It's a it's a mobile app, and they're pairing 
your scores that you may shoot on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday at your local course with your handicap. And then you can pick a few golfers from the tournament that week. Like you could pick a Rory McIlroy or a Dustin Johnson for a certain point level. And then you can put together a two or three man team and compete against some of your buddies at the club. And, you know, the club, it's a kind of a, a fun generating thing for the, for the club because they can make a little money and, uh, you know, could, you could, the, the players could put up 10 or 20 or $30 for the day and then they can earn merchandise at the club. And then it kind of makes it exciting to watch your players that afternoon, you know, on TV to see, you know, you might be pulling for Ricky Fowler or whatever. And then, uh, you know, the results are pretty much live, but it's, uh, it's a fun group. It's going to, it's going to probably have some different formulas over the next couple of years. We're going to, we're talking about uh, doing some different things with the champions tour and the LPGA, but it's, uh, it's got a lot of potential and it's, and it's kind of fun working with them on it. Yeah. TDJ golf and we'll see where it goes, but it's been fun so far. And Donnie, you're starting to get more and more into the real estate business as well. Talk to, uh, talk to us about what you're doing there. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of blended into, you know, I've always been interested in Florida real estate whenever I would travel around the state, uh, looking at properties or whether it be Naples or, you know, the Palm Beach area, Miami. Of course, I love it in Orlando. I was, uh, but I just think in, you know, the next 10 years or so, I'm going to start, you know, working more on the real estate, the golf, kind of really nice golf communities and friends that are, you know, ready to retire from New York or Maryland or Ohio. You know, they may come down to Florida and they want to retire in Palm Beach or Fort Myers. And, you know, we'll kind of look around at some different golf courses. I'm starting to develop um, all the, you know, the particulars of golf courses, whether it be the initiation fees, what the dues are, you know, keep a list of the conditions of the golf courses. And then, of course, all my friends, you know, the contacts, the general managers and the golf professionals to be able to you know, visit the certain courses and be able to pair, you know, my friends and clients, not only, you know, the right home for them, but also the, the golf course that's going to fit their, you know, their playability and their budget and things like that. So it's, um, I think it's going to be fun though. We've, we've done some projects the last, uh, last year or so, and it's just fun visiting the golf courses and, you know, picking up all the information. Now as I'm traveling, it gives me something to, to do when I'm traveling different parts of the state. But it, it's really fun. I've enjoyed it for years, and now I think I'll be able to, you know, make a living at it. So, Donnie, one more before I let you go. And, you know, beyond golf, we both have an affection for NASA and space exploration. Anything cool going down, going on down there at uh, at the Cape? What's, what's, uh, what's the latest thing I need to be watching for? I think it's been pretty quiet on the SpaceX. I think there's uh, a manned launch here coming up in the next month or so. Uh but I was just out front. It's a super moon out tonight. I remember when I marked down our show on the calendar that uh, I was thinking, hey, Chris, we've got a super moon on, on the night we're going to be on the show. <laughs> so it's beautiful, though. But it's been quite on I the SpaceX. I'm, I'm, real, I'm really looking forward to some launches in the next couple of months, though. And maybe you'll come down and we'll go down to one together. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Donnie, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether they're following you online on your website or on social media. Yeah, just uh, DonnieHammond.com has got some information on the real estate. And some, you know, if they want to come down and visit some golf courses, play a few courses and look at some homes, that would be great. Or Twitter, at Donnie Hammond. That's, uh, we have some fun on there once in a while. And that's, that's pretty much it. Well, Donnie, it's always so much fun for me to get to spend some time with you. No matter how much time it is, it's never enough. I got a ton of other questions that I'd love to go through with you. So hopefully I get the opportunity or the privilege of having you back on the show again real soon. I can't thank you enough for your time, my friend. I always enjoy it. I very much look forward to the next one, Chris. Thanks so much. Take care, Donnie. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up again real soon. And to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you, Donnie. That's the great Donnie Hammond. Again, DonnieHammond.com and at Donnie Hammond on Twitter. A lot of great stuff. He's doing so many great things. And then when you look at, uh, you know, Donnie's career, very underrated. Couple of big wins. 
out on the regular tour, always right in the mix. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll be seeing his name on leaderboards on the Champions Tour again real soon as well. All right, before I get to my next guest, Paul Grandgard, I want to remind you about our friends over at Super Speed Golf. Now used by over half of the tour players around the world, Super Speed Golf is the fastest and most effective way to increase your swing speed. Three eight-minute training sessions per week are all you need to see a 5% increase in your swing speed. And with sets for golfers of all ages and over one year of included video instruction as well, Super Speed offers a complete solution to help you start booming it off the tee. Visit them online at superspeedgolf.com to pick up your set today. And folks, while TaylorMade Golf has done it again, the all-new TaylorMade M5 and M6 drivers have arrived, and what a story. They both feature speed-injected twist face, created through a revolutionary manufacturing process where every single head, yes, every single head, is injected and calibrated to the threshold of the legal limit. Basically, every head, every head now is tour spicy, as they call it. Speed for All, and now available. Check it out online by going to TaylorMadeGolf.com. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me and making his seventh appearance on the French Lick Resort guest line is Paul Grandgard. Paul has been one of my favorite guests over the years and in a couple of different roles now. Paul was the CEO of Allen Edmund Shoes for several years. He is now the founder and CEO of Circle Rock, which is a wonderful new upscale men's clothing line featuring custom-made in the USA suit, made-to-order shirt, finely woven sweaters, European-style outerwear, and some very cool gifts that you heard me talking about at the top of the show. Go online to circlerock.com to check them all out. It all looks absolutely outstanding, and I'm very excited that Paul is back with me again here on Next on the T. Good evening, Paul. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hello, Chris. It's great to be back with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming back. It's It's been a minute since we last had you on the show. Catch us up. What's been going on with you? Well, it might have been even two minutes, I think. But, uh, uh, well, what our company, Allen Edmonds, was sold to a, a large, uh, shoe company out of St. Louis, Missouri, one of the biggest in the, in the world. Uh, the company's name is Calaris. And I'd been commuting to Milwaukee for nine years as the CEO of Allen Edmonds. And it was really time for me to let the, the pros take over. They, uh, have been in the shoe business since the mid 1800s. So they know an awful lot about the shoe business. And I was uh, looking to, spend some more time at home and not be on as many planes as I had been. So uh, they brought in an, a new guy, a really nice guy named Malcolm Robinson, to run the business. And I moved on. I didn't know exactly what I'd do at first, but uh, a friend of mine from the company and I started talking about what we want to do next. And we decided to start an apparel business. The issues in apparel are the same as they are in shoes, which is less than 2% of the apparel that's bought in the United States, just like in shoes, was made in the United States. I can't think of any other industry that has been more completely offshored in the last 30 years than uh, the fashion industry, shoes and apparel in general. And, you know, what's the companies that are left are really good at what they do. It's always the uh, the best who survive. And we had worked with some of them in the past at Allen Edmonds and met some new people, and they were eager to help us get back in business. So we're now making apparel with some of the best manufacturers in the world right here in the United States. We, we're using some beautiful fabrics, and uh, we're doing it all on our website. But it's not just about the apparel. I also wanted to have more of a mission, Chris, this time. And and we're also doing a lot of mentoring and uh, educational and hopefully inspiring content on our website for for men of character. You know, we're reading an awful lot in the paper about men who don't live up to your listeners' standards. And uh, I wanted to remind the world that we have a lot of really good men here in the United States, and they make the whole world go around. They're very important leaders in their homes and their communities and uh, especially in the businesses where they are and so we've we've done some interviews with some really impressive very accomplished guys talking about some of their secrets of success some of the bumps they had in the road and we've done some interviews with some not-for-profit people we've talked to uh, the highest ranking African-American in the NFL Kevin Warren who's the chief operating officer of the 
Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I'm lucky that I know a lot of these people personally, uh, and they were really eager to help us out by being interviewees on the website. And then we've done a lot of content by linking to things that we find interesting. It's hard to surf the web these days. There's so much content. It's good to get somebody to tell you what's worthwhile and what isn't every now and then. So to that end, and there, there's some other things, I, but we'll get back to sort of the beginnings of Circle Rock in a minute. But now that you've mentioned Kevin Warren, and I know our listeners here as well as over on our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, are going to want to hear about the conversation. He is the Viking COO. Talk about, you know, when I, when I watched that interview, he talked about how one look changed his life. And then a bit about the story and advice that he got about being a good leader. So if you don't mind, Paul, would would you share just a little bit of what your conversation was like with Kevin? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, it was fascinating for me. You know, I do these interviews because I want to put inspiring content uh, on the web and, and hopefully attract a lot of people to them. And then I end up sitting there with my mouth hanging open because I'm so uh, inspired by them myself. So the... Um, the one look was an incredibly powerful story talking to Kevin. Uh, you know, he uh, talked about how he wants to be the best Kevin Warren he can be every day. He work, wakes up every morning not worrying about living up to somebody's uh, preconceived notions about what they would like him to be. He just wants to be the very best that he can be every day. And, and he knows that he's going to be facing people who've who've never seen an African-American executive at his level before, and he wants to make sure that he's doing the best job he can no matter what situation he's in. And he brought up that uh, he was inspired as a young attorney early in his career. Somebody took him to the Supreme Court, and he had a chance to look at Thurgood Marshall's office. Thurgood Marshall, the famous Supreme Court justice who also was the uh, attorney in the famous Brown versus. Board of Education case in Kansas, and um, that that led to the uh, desegregation of schools in America. And, and he said, just looking in that office, even though Thurgood Marshall wasn't there, inspired him to work hard and and uh, be the best that he could be. And he knows that when he meets people, they might be inspired by meeting him to be that the best they the best that they can be. And he's always conscious of that. I thought that was just. A really powerful story about uh, the impact of history in our lives and how if you keep your antenna up and you're a thoughtful person, you can get inspiration from things as maybe uh, mundane as an inanimate interaction with somebody's office. So um, I thought that was great. And then he just really talked an awful lot about service to others in his leadership. And he had a great story to tell about uh, being thrust into a situation uh, about buying the Minnesota Vikings that he wasn't really uh, fully aware he was in when he went. Denny Green, the famous Vikings coach and one of the first African-American coaches in the NFL, uh, called him up and said, you know, I want you to come to this meeting. They're going to be talking about the Vikings being sold and he thought he was going to sit and be an advisor and instead he was expected to make the presentation. So uh, th that's a story in a lot of uh, these interviews that we've done, Chris, is, is just the sort of unexpected turns that a career can take. I think it's one of the messages I wanted to get across. You know, when opportunity knock, answer the door, but you never really know when opportunity is going to knock. And in a lot of my Interviews with people have been with, with folks who had never expected to be in the position they're in, but because of things that happened along the way, a lucky break, a uh, bounce of a puck, whatever, he and that person ended up having a chance to do something extraordinary, and, and they took the chance, and it worked out great for them. doesn't always work out, and that's another part of the story, too. Some of these guys had situations that didn't work out that ended up being a blessing in disguise. That's certainly my story. And uh, they uh, uh, go along and uh, wait for the next opportunity. And that's the one that turns out to be the, the really uh, big break. And Paul, you also had the opportunity to spend some time with Tim Welsh, vice chairman at, at U.S. Bank. And he talked and you guys talked about answering the call of grace. And it was an incredibly emotional interview, at least watching how Tim and listening to Tim's story. Do you mind uh, talking about what that conversation was like as well? Not at all. It's uh, it's an incredible story. Thanks for bringing it up, Chris. I'm really uh, 
honored and pleased that you're aware of all these things. Uh, Tim Welsh is a major player in the Twin Cities. He was head of the McKinsey office here, the famous consulting firm for many years. Uh, Harvard undergrad, Harvard MBA, very, very smart guy. And uh, worked for McKinsey. He was on their global management committee, so he was traveling all around the world. And is now one of the top executives at U.S. Bank, which is the fifth largest bank in the United States, headquartered in the Minneapolis area. And Tim's a friend of mine. We've known each other for many years. He was, when he was early in his consulting career, he advised my group at Piper Jaffe, an investment banking firm where I was head of investment banking at the time, uh, on some important stuff. And I got to know Tim back then. And this is one of the great stories about the the coincidences of life that if you're a faithful person aren't coincidences at all. They are things that happen for a reason with a guiding hand. Tim was on the board of a family foundation that uh, was very charitable, the Rowanhorst Foundation, and there was a meeting that he wasn't intending to go to. Uh, he was supposed to be out of town, and, and that trip got canceled. He ended up staying in town, going to the meeting, and he sat next to a brand new board member, this is a uh, very devout Catholic family, the Round Horse, and one of the board's members was a uh, sister, a nun, who helped run an orphanage in Washington, D.C. And Tim was born in Washington, D.C., and in fact was born to an unwed mother in her teens and uh, had been given up at birth uh, by that mother in that orphanage where this nun worked. And he just sort of casually suggested that uh, that he he asked her more questions about where she was from because she didn't immediately offer up the name of the orphanage and and it then dawned on him that this was the same orphanage where he had been adopted and born and and she proceeded to tell him about what his first 6 months of life were like and uh and how he had uh, been taken care of by his birth mom, mother until his baptism and at the point of baptism uh, he was handed over to the nuns, and that was the last he saw of his birth mother, and then he was adopted by his family. His family has had other kids biologically, so he says he looks nothing like his older brother. Tim's about five foot eight, I would say, and of slight build, and his, his younger brother, I should say, his younger brother played uh, lineman in Division One college football, so uh, it's kind of a funny comparison there. But um, Tim was telling a friend of his about it, and talking about this uh, situation where at, at the time of his baptism when his birth mother held him while he was baptized but then handed him over to the nuns and they then later handed him to his, his adopted family and his friend said to him, Tim, don't you know what just happened there? And he said, no, I don't. What, what do you mean? He said, your birth mother handed you into the hands of God. And it was a really powerful story. I'm not doing enough justice to it, because the way Tim tells it will put a lump in anybody's throat, and uh, just a very powerful thing. And Tim said his faith has always been very important to him, and it's a big part of why he has lived the life he's lived the way he's lived it. So here's a guy with all these talents and incredible brain power. He's one of the most community service-oriented people I know. He's working very hard on a strategic process now as chairman of the Twin Cities United Way, which is one of the biggest United Ways in the country, to help them think about how to how to evolve in the 21st century. If you know anything about United Ways, they're under a lot of pressure on the country. People don't give at the office the way they once did to United Ways, uh, and and yet they play a very very valuable role in the communities where they serve. And, and Tim's been on the board of the Minnesota Orchestra. He's been on the board of uh, Catholic Charities. He just given a lot of his time, especially when you consider how much he's traveled around the world and he's got a young family to raise, he's been a very, very service-focused. And it all goes back to that, that adoption and that uh, orphanage and him having his life handed over into the hands of God. It's a very strong story. Paul, I want to go back to some of the things we want to talk about with the new company at Circle Rock. And um, as I was doing the research on you and the and the the startup of the of the new organization, I read that it was actually Minnesota United's professional the professional soccer team up there. Bill McGuire, who is a majority owner there, helped spark the idea that kind of got you down the path 
to getting Circle Rock off the ground. What role did he play in uh, in your decision to do what you're doing now? Yeah, that's a fun story. We were starting to think about buying a little leather goods company, my co-founder and I, and and using our leather knowledge from the time in at Allen Edmonds, and just things weren't lining up quite well uh, for that acquisition, and uh, it was a very small deal, and it just seemed like it was going to be, as they often say, small deals are harder than the uh, big deals. So uh, we just decided not to do it. And we were starting to think, well, maybe we should do something ourselves in leather. And Bill McGuire, the managing partner and the majority owner of the Major League Soccer team here in the Twin Cities, Minnesota United, uh, and I were talking and he said, can you introduce me to somebody who can get a really sharp suit for the players on the team? He said, in the Premier League and in the Bundesliga in uh, Germany and, and also in uh, the First League in France and Italy, they, they have um, really sharp in a suit, sharp t- uh, shirt and tie before and after the games. And, and he wants to be a leader in the Major League Soccer, and he wanted to do that with the Minnesota United. It's a new team. They're just about to start their third season, and this was over a year ago. So this was in advance of the second season that he was suggesting that. And I asked a men's clothier here in town, the best one, actually, if he'd be interested in doing that with the team. He thought about it for a while and and uh, said, you know, I, I do that in other areas, and I'm just sort of tapped out. And so I went to Bill McGuire, and I said, I'll tell you what, Bill, I'll start a new company. I know at first I asked one of our former best suppliers of men's uh, tailored clothing if he'd be interested in helping us out. And he he just jumped at the chance because we had become friends and he wanted to be helpful to me and to Ross, my co-founder, and getting started, but also because he had just done it for one of the teams in in Milan and knew exactly what it, what it would take to do a good job with that. So um, I asked him first and then I went to Bill, and I said, Bill, how about if we do it for you? And he said, you're on. So he decided to do these suits uh, for the team. It was an unbelievable way to get started as a company because these players with their incredibly lean, athletic bodies, their huge quadriceps from running and kicking the way they do, and uh, as this engine in the back that makes them so fast on the field, they were hard to fit. And they also wanted their clothing extremely tight, so that uh, doubled down on the uh, the difficulty factor. But we got them in great suits. They tweet about them. You can see them on the Minnesota United website. You can see them on our website. Now, if you're following Major League Soccer, you know that uh, Minnesota United has basically completely revamped the middle of the field uh, and the defense this year. They've They've kept a couple of their best players in each part of the field. They have great up front players, but they've added a a really strong set of players from within the Major League Soccer. They got a great player from Seattle, a great player from Kansas City, and then also uh, from Europe, a national player on the uh, Croatian soccer team is now playing with with the Minnesota United. And so we had a whole bunch of extra suits to do this year, get ready for this season opening here in mid-March. And it's going to be a lot of fun. They're also going to move into what may be the best um, soccer-focused stadium in the country called Allianz Field. Allianz has sponsored fields in some of the biggest soccer capitals around the world. Munich, of course, where they're headquartered, but also in Turin, in, I think, Barcelona, and in uh, Rio de Janeiro. So they they have seven or eight of the most important soccer stadiums in the in the world, and now they have sponsored the one here in, in Minnesota for the Minnesota United, and it opens up. And if you go to a game or you see one on TV, you'll see Circle Rock branding around the field every now and then, and there will also be a big sign up in the uh, above the bleachers for Circle Rock. So it'll be hopefully a big part of brand awareness building for us and, and just branded image building for us too. And, Paul, when you were at Allen Edmonds, you made a commitment to keep their shoes made right here in America. And I read you're doing the same for the clothes at uh, Circle Rock. Talk about why that remains so important to you. Well, I think employment is like the environment. If all we think about is efficiency and speed and uh, profit, we can do a lot of damage to the environment, as we all know. Uh, Watch the pollution that has had to be cleaned up over the last 20 years and how careful we need to be about it going forward. I think the same is true about employment in this country. If if all we care about is 
Where is it the cheapest place to get it made? Where can we find the, the lowest standard of living for the workers so we don't have to pay them very much and get them to make things for us in the highest standard of living country in the world? It just doesn't seem right to me. And I want to try to protect an industry. If we, if we lose the apparel industry in this country, if, if less than 2% goes to 0%, that's just not going to be good for a lot of communities. For instance, our shirts are made in North Carolina in a small town that uh, has, I'm told, I haven't been there yet, uh, my teammates have, but a um, small town with 120 people who live in it, and the plant employs over 120 people. Not that they employ everyone in the town, but they draw from the whole region around it to this one plant. And if they stop making shirts, imagine what will happen to that town and to the area around it. Um, we have a couple other suppliers who are in Massachusetts. Uh, we have one of the last remaining leather tanneries in the United States who happens to make the leathers for the National Football League footballs and the NBA basketballs. They supply us our signature leather, which they make just for us. And then we have that leather turned into bags in San Diego and turned into wallets in Worcester, Massachusetts. And uh, the factories that make our clothing for us are in Massachusetts and New York. And our sweaters are made by a German immigrant who's been in this country for over 50 years. And uh, he's bringing, he has brought to his, his little knitwear factory in Winona, Minnesota, BMW engineering techniques. These sweaters are the best sweaters you can get, and they're made largely by hand in uh, along the Mississippi River in Minnesota in a town that is a really beautiful town, very important town in this state, but they need these jobs, and uh, he is really committed to keeping them in the United States. We did a video of every single one of our of our major suppliers, and uh, we showed how their plants work. I encourage anybody to look at them. And one of the suppliers helped a whole bunch of major leather brands. This is our wallet supplier. Purses and other leather goods that are very famous. You know, I'm not allowed to say who they are, but you all know their names. They were once made in the USA. Now they're offshore. He once employed almost 300 people in his plant. He's down to about 25 now. And... Uh, I asked him while he keeps going, he's, and I'll never forget what he said, which is how I feel, too. He said, you know, these things are important to these people, and you just don't give up on them. So that's why I want to keep the main USA. Plus, as I think I said earlier, people who died out are, are the weaker ones. The ones that are left here in this country, they're world class. They're the best. So getting stuff made by them is not at all dropping down the quality chain. It's actually starting at the top, which is very exciting, and it's fun to tell their stories. Paul, just a couple more before I let you go. And, and, and you know one of my favorite things that you offered when you were at Allen Edmonds and now still offering at uh, Circle Rock are your cool gifts, which, oh, by the way, people can go online to circlerock.com and click on cool gifts to see what we're talking about. But I got to start with your bat handle bottle openers. And as a Red Sox fan, you've got game used bat knobs that you've turned into bottle openers, which are very cool. Well, the That's bottle cool. openers, they're, they're, there's a company out in uh, Berkeley, California called Tokens and Icons. And they, they also are friends of ours. We've done a lot of work together over the many years. And I discovered them at a men's trade show in New York one year as I walked by because uh, they have these fantastic cufflinks that just really caught my attention that are they look like they might be made with precious stones in the middle of this square that's about a half an inch uh square and i asked them what they are and it turns out it's beautiful blue because it's a piece of a box seat from the old kind of box seats they had in Fenway Stadium. They're from Fenway Stadium or they're from Yankee Stadium. You can get green ones from Wrigley Field. You know, as these great stadiums changed from wood seat to plastic seat, uh, this company had, the, the, the wood was saved and this company bought it and turned them into cufflinks. So they also have a great relationship with Major League Baseball as a result of that, where they get game use bats after the bat's been broken and they saw off the knob and uh, turn it into a bottle opener. They, they screw in a metal opener attachment so that you can be opening your next beer with a, uh, a bat that was used by, you know, your favorite 
Major League Baseball player, and it's just a lot of fun to think about. They also, uh, in addition to those cufflinks, in addition to the those bottle openers, I'm a, as you know, and I know everybody on this show is, I'm a big golf fan, and I love the traditions and the history of golf. And although I like how much farther my current driver sometimes goes, uh, <laughs> I love the old wood, wooden persimmon drivers and, and, uh, with the string wrapped around them. And, and they make bottle openers out of great Wilson staff blade irons from the seventies and sixties or, or you can get, uh, drivers, uh, from power build drivers from Wilson staff again, McGregor drivers, McGregor tourney drivers, the great brands of yesteryear in, in persimmon woods and, uh, having one of those on your uh, counter when you're having a bunch of people over for a party. Uh, it's just a great conversation item and a lot of fun they have around. Paul, before we let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing there at Circle Rock and, and keep up with you as well, uh, whether it's online or it's on social media? Well, we're at Circle Rock Men on Instagram and Facebook. Circle Rocket Men, and then online it's just uh, CircleRock.com. As soon as you go on for the first time, we'll ask you to give us your email address so we can stay in touch with you, give you discounts, and uh, and get you uh, on our mailing list so you can get these um, inspirational emails that we send out and also know about the really high-quality stuff that we're selling. And by the way, I didn't mention one thing I want to say really quickly, and that is our pricing sure. is unbelievable. We, we, we believe that Americans go above and beyond what anybody else will do, and we're trying to do that as a company. So the quality of the stuff we're offering for the price is really unsurpassed by anybody in the marketplace today. So if you're looking to get really high-quality stuff for a price that you can't believe, Circle Rock's a good place to start. And, Paul, one other thing I want you to make sure everyone knows, you know, obviously we talked about the suits and we've talked about the cool gifts and you and you mentioned the sweaters. Talk about everything you've got available. What are all the different lines that people can go on there and find? We have really high-quality shirts um, with beautiful patterns. We've got vests that we're doing, sweaters, these unbelievable sweaters. Uh, we've got pants, uh, five-pocket pants, also known as jeans when it's with denim, but uh, a lot of people are wearing five pocket pants these days. Perfect for business casual look pant. It's not necessarily a jean itself, but it's it's that sort of construction. And um, we're also, uh, we have some, uh, right now we have an unbelievable offer on winter coats because we're hoping and crossing our fingers that winter's almost over around here. So we want, we want to reduce our inventory there. So if you're looking for an unbelievable deal on a winter coat, Check us out. Well, Paul, thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. I hope you'll continue to come back and update us on all the great things you're doing. And as you get into a, a spring and a summer line, we'd love to have you come back and talk about all of those things. I've missed having you as part all of right. the show. I hope you'll be back soon. Chris, thanks so much. It's been great to talk to you again. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. All right, Paul. Take care. All the best to you and your family, my friend. Yeah, you that is the great Paul Grangard. Again, it is CircleRock.com. And um, like I say, the cool gifts are, are always something to catch my eye. But uh, the clothes and everything else and the wallets that they've got available on there look absolutely outstanding. Go check them out, CircleRock.com. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the T. I want to send out my sincere thanks again to Donnie Hammond and Paul Grandgard for joining me tonight. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page Next on the T with Chris Mascaro on Facebook and, you know, give me some feedback there. Plus, like I say, if you've got a question for one of our previous guests or one of our future guests, let me know what that question is, and I'll be glad to uh, get that question answered for you. You can see who some of our future guests are going to be by going online to our website, Next on the T.net. We've got our guest schedule there. Plus, we've got links uh, back to a lot of our uh, previous episodes and to our archive episodes, which you can go back to and find on podbean.com. So, next on the T.podbean.com. There you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free. Plus, uh, download the Podbean app and you can take us with you everywhere you go. And also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari and our announcer Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can stream it live on blogtalkradio.com or, again, check us out on Podbean there as well. 
the show, both the shows, next on the team Thursday night tailgate. You can also find us as a free podcast on other sites like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa. You can say, hey, Alexa. Play next on the T, play uh, podcast next on the T, or play podcast Thursday night tailgate, and boom, they're going to play for you. On Thursday night tailgate, we're joined every week by five NFL legends who come on and share their stories from their playing days, plus insights into what's going on around the league now. Plus, we also highlight two players doing great things in their communities and our spotlight on the positive segment. You can find that website, ThursdayNightTailgate.com, and again, this show, nextonthetea.net. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to the show tonight. We know you've got a lot of podcasts and shows you have the opportunity to listen to. We really appreciate the fact that you are making Next on Tee part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members Join us the same time every Tuesday.